0: Hey, Go Church family, what an honor it is to be live-streamed into your home today. We are actually in week number three, the final week of a series we've been doing here at Go Church called Faith, Hope, and Love. Now, before we jump into the message today, I wanna start off like we always start off. Let's give some honor to the incredibly brave military men and women and all of the awesome first responders. Come on, light up the comment section with some love today, honoring the military men, women, and first responders. And I also wanna give a huge shout out to all of the medical professionals and hospital staff, Um, Let me just brag on your Go Church family for a moment. Earlier this week, we were able, through our South Metro Atlanta campus emergency response team, to feed the entire ER staff at the Noonan Piedmont Hospital here in the South Atlanta area. You'll see a couple of pictures of some of our team dropping off some food to bless those ER shift workers. And so we're just so thankful for the generosity of Go Church Thank you for your continued faithfulness and for your giving because when you give through the ministry of Go Church, we literally get to be the hands and feet of Jesus extended. And again, honored to be able to come right into your home today. I'm going to give you the theme verse of this whole series Uh, we've been sitting on, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 13, and I want to read it to you because this is where we get the theme of our series from. It says, And now these three remain. So the Apostle Paul is writing to the people at Corinth, and he's telling them there are three things in life that will only remain. And he says they are success, wealth, and happiness. No, that's not what your Bible says, is it? He says, no, and these three things will remain. These three things will abide. Fame, health, and a long-term retirement plan. No, that's not what the Apostle Paul says either. He says, only three things will remain. Let's read it together on the count of three. One, two, three. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. See, the Apostle Paul is talking and writing to the people of Corinth, and these individuals were a very smart and successful group of people. And Paul wanted them to know that none of their earthly successes and none of their earthly accomplishments would ever remain. And I want to look into the camera today because I'm talking to some smart people. I'm talking to some very successful people, and I echo the same sentiment of that of the Apostle Paul, that, that none of your earthly success will remain none of it is going to last the only thing that you can hold on to the only thing that will remain is faith hope and love and the greatest of these is love that that's it and i'm not telling you today that you shouldn't dream dreams and i'm not telling you that you shouldn't set goals but what i am suggesting to you is that in everything that you accomplish and everything you attempt to uh, to to do in life and every endeavor that you set out On, you should always filter it through the lens of what will remain. And I'm telling you, church, listen to me. The only things that remain are faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. I don't know if you've ever Googled that phrase, faith, hope, and love, but if you Google it, you will find 479 million results. 479 million results connected to faith, hope, and love. I don't think the Apostle Paul. Thought that he was coining a phrase or marketing a phrase. I don't think he thought that one day they'd print faith, hope, and love on a, on a coffee mug or a bumper sticker or that that would be framed in someone's living room, faith, hope, and love. But here's the reality about faith, hope, and love for the apostle Paul. For the Apostle Paul, he didn't Google faith, hope, and love. No, he found them when he found Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He experienced faith, hope, and love through his own personal salvation moment. And I pray the same thing for you. I pray that as you come into a relationship with Christ Jesus, that you get to also experience faith, hope, and love because that is the true message of the gospel. That's the heartbeat of the gospel is faith, hope, and love. And every letter that the apostle Paul wrote, which he wrote almost two-thirds of the New Testament, he talked about this truth. He talked about faith, hope, and love. So, so we're looking at 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 13. If you, if you go five years prior, so if you go five years before Paul writes the letter to the people of Corinth, he writes a letter to the people of Colossia. It's in your Bible. It's it's the letter of Colossians. And here he echoes this same sentiment about faith, hope, and love because this was his experience. He says, beginning in verse 4 of chapter 1, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all of God's people. Watch verse number 5. The faith and the love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about you which have already heard in the, here it is, the true message of the gospel. Now, two years after he writes the letter to, to the Colossians, he writes a letter to the people of Thessalonica, it's first Thessalonians. Watch this. Again, he's writing about his personal experience through salvation and how he has discovered faith, hope, and love. Look, we always thank God for all of you. Man, that's my, that's my heart for you, Go Church family. I always thank God for all of you. He says, we thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. And watch verse three. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, come on now, and your endurance inspired by hope and our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch what he says. He he keeps writing this letter. Go to chapter number 5. Here it is again. But since we belong to the day. Now what does that mean? It means this, that when we are in Christ Jesus, when we are sons and daughters of Jesus, we don't belong to the darkness. We don't belong to the night. No, we are, we are belonging to the day because Jesus is the light of the world. He says, so we belong to the day. Let us be sober, putting on, here it is, faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Do you see that? Do you see that faith and love and hope? This is Paul's personal experience. He didn't Google faith, hope, and love. No, he found them when he found Jesus. Come on, give me a good amen right there. And in the first two weeks of this series, we've looked at faith and we've looked at hope, but today we get to look at the greatest of all of these, and it is love, the greatest of these Is love. Faith, hope, and love will remain, but the greatest of these is love. Let me give you a little quick recap. Write this thought down. I told you in the first week that faith is the vehicle and hope is going to be your destination. But if love is the greatest, then love has to be the fuel because it fuels everything. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It fuels it all. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Jesus models for us. This type of godly love. And Paul's not talking about man's love. He's talking about Jesus and God because God is love. Look at these two verses with me. Love is patient. Love is kind. And we've done this before, but you can replace the word love with the person of Jesus. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. Love keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. Love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. And verse number eight says this, that love never Fails. Love never fails. And what Paul is talking about is the highest form of love that you can experience from God. It's known as agape love. It's the Greek word agape. Agape love is the highest form of love from God. And this is not a this is not a friendship type of love. And and it's not even a romantic type of love. Agape love is selfless love. Agape love is sacrificial love. Agape love is unconditional love. If you, if you had to define agape love with one verse in the Bible, it would be John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that is agape love the highest form of love is this reality that God loves you whoever's watching this this message today God loves you so much with this agape love that he would send his one and only son just for you. Come on, that's powerful. Let's dive in a little deeper to this idea of agape love. I want to show you and prove to you just how much God really loves you and how he thinks about you and demonstrates the value of who you are to him through his love. Let me give you a few things to consider and write down. The first thought is this, God loves you patiently. Come on, I'm so thankful that God loves J.C. patiently. We read this in verse number four of 1 Corinthians 13. It says that love is patient or Jesus is patient or God is patient. And I'm thankful that God loves me patiently. I'm thankful that God, God doesn't get annoyed with me when I'm annoying. I'm thankful that God doesn't just write me off when I act like a fool and when I become overly obnoxious. I'm thankful that God's not easily frustrated with me and that God doesn't just give up on me. I'm thankful that that God loves me in spite of me. Look, to love J.C., you've got to have the fruit of the spirit known as long suffering, and uh, my wife can can amen to that. Uh, you know, we've been we've been quarantined in our house like all of you and. And we've actually done really well being stuck in the home together, but every now and again we'll get into what we called a quarantine quarrel. Come on now. And the other day uh, I was coming up the steps of our house and Kimberly was coming down the steps of our house and, and we had this, this brief interaction where she said something and what she said I heard differently than how she said it. And I responded with kind of a, uh, a quick response because I'm impatient. Right, God is patient, and Kimberly's incredibly patient, but I'm impatient, and so I said something kind of smart back, and, and that created this moment of, of discord and quarreling, and a few, a few minutes passed, and I thought, all right, I'm going to have to go and apologize, so Kimberly was in the living room at this point, and I walked up to her, and I said, listen, I'm really sorry that you got on my nerves earlier, come on now, well, that wasn't a good enough apology, and rightfully so, I'm just really glad that God is very patient with me. The Bible says this in Exodus chapter 34, verse number six, God says, I I am the Lord and I am merciful and I am very patient with my people and I will show great love and I can be trusted. See, God loves you patiently and he's very patient with you and I'm so thankful for that. Here's another one. Write this down. God not only loves you patiently, but God loves you perfectly. Come on, church. Here, here's what this idea means of God loving you perfectly. See, you and I are incomplete, but God loves us completely. Does that make sense? Uh, you, and I, you and I are empty people, but God loves us to the full. You and I are imperfect people, but God loves us Perfectly, Verse number five of 1 Corinthians 13 said that, that God or love keeps no records of wrong. Man, I can't tell you how many times somebody has done me wrong and I kept a record of it. Now, when Kimberly and I first got married um, and we would get into this uh, disagreement, I couldn't remember all the things that I was frustrated at. So I had this kind of like secret journal that whenever she did something wrong or something that I didn't like, I'd write it down so whenever we had our next disagreement, I had, I had some handwritten evidence to present to her about all the wrong she had done. Man, I'm, I'm just really glad that that's not how God operates. And I'm also glad that I don't operate that way anymore because that's great levels of immaturity. See, God doesn't keep record of wrong. God loves you perfectly. He loves you perfectly. I I love this verse in in the book of Micah chapter 7 verse number 19. The Bible says and God says that he will again have compassion on us and watch and he will subdue our iniquities and I love this line and he will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea because love doesn't keep any record of wrong. God loves you with a perfect Kind of love. Let me give you a couple more thoughts. God also loves you personally. Come on, write write that word personally in the comment section. As a matter of fact, wherever you're watching from today, on the count of three, let's, let's make this personal. I want you to say God loves me personally. You ready? One, two, three. God loves me personally. Jeremiah 1 verse number five says that before you were even formed in the womb, God knew you. Luke 12 says that God knows every single hair that is on your head and he has them numbered. Do you know what that means? That means that God knows you better than you know you. Listen to me, God loves you personally because God is the one that fitted you together and fashioned you together. He knows everything about you, He knows every thought, He knows every dream. He knows every struggle. He knows every challenge. He knows every issue. He knows every fear. And he loves you so much that he promises to be with you in every single moment of your life. Wherever you go, listen to me. God is right beside you. He's not leaving you, you know, in the middle of your situation. He's watching over you, and he's loving you personally. Let me give you some encouragement, and I think this is important. Everything that God has ever done to demonstrate his love, he did it with you on his mind. Everything that God has done to prove his love and to show his love, he did that with you on his mind. I even think about when Jesus was crucified on the cross. The old song says that when he was on the cross, you were on his mind because God loves you personally. Let me give you one more thought. God also loves you permanently. Come on now. He loves you permanently. Listen to me. There there is nothing you can do that would ever be able to make God stop loving you. It's Romans chapter number eight, right? It says, what can separate us from the love of God? And the answer to that is, is nothing. Now, will there be consequences for the decisions that you make in life. Absolutely, there's always consequences for our actions, but his love for you is a permanent love. It's permanent. There is nothing you could ever do that could make God stop loving you, and there's nothing you could ever do that would make God love you any less. A few years ago, uh, I had the privilege to uh, speak to the chapel service for the Atlanta Falcons football team. So one night I'm in my house and my cell phone rings and I didn't recognize the number but I picked it up and on the other end of the line was the chaplain for the Atlanta Falcons. At this point, Kimberly and I we were living in Maryland and the Falcons were making a trip to Philadelphia to play the Eagles and the chaplain wasn't able to make the trip and he said, "Hey, JC, I heard that you're only a couple hours away from where the team will be. Do you mind driving over?" And sharing a devotion with the Atlanta Falcons football team and you know so my response trying to play it cool come on now but I was like well let me check my calendar let me check my schedule but of course I was free and even if I wasn't free I would have canceled anything else on my on my calendar for that for that day so I got in my car when the time came and I drove over to Philadelphia and I, I went into this hotel room and I'm standing in the lobby And I'm seeing the the owner of the Atlanta Falcons walk through the lobby. and, And then the general manager, he walks up to me and we begin to have a conversation. And then a security guy leads me up to this hotel ballroom. And he says, now, in a few moments, the Atlanta Falcons football players will start to come into this chapel service and we don't want you to take any photos with the players and we don't want you to ask for any of the autographs. He said, just just kind of share the message and then, you know, hit the road, Jack. And so I was like, whatever, I'm just honored to be here. So one by one, the Atlanta Falcons players, they come into this hotel, you know, ballroom and they sit down and I walk up and I begin to share my heart and, and I begin to talk to them about how God loves them Permanently. See, I've never played in the NFL, obviously, but I do know that the NFL is very much performance based. So you get paid on how well you perform, you get bonuses based on how well you perform, you get playing time based on how well you can perform. And so these athletes are wired to perform with perfection and with greatness. And I told them, I said, listen to me. I said, you guys could go to the Super Bowl and lose the Super Bowl, and God would not love you any less because his love is not based on your performance. His love is based on his person. Are you hearing me? Well, fast forward three months, and sure enough, that same Atlanta Falcons football team makes it to the Super Bowl. And they're playing the New England Patriots and they go into halftime with a 28-3 lead and you know what happens, come on now. It was an epic comeback by the New England Patriots and the Atlanta Falcons lost the Super Bowl in overtime. Now, two truths about that story. Number one, I've never been invited back to do a chapel service for the Atlanta Falcons. But the second truth is this, that message that I shared It was true. God's love for you is a permanent love. It's a permanent love. God doesn't love you based off of your performance. God loves you because of his person, and he loves you permanently, and nothing can ever change God's love for you. Come on, give me a good amen today. Let me show you this demonstration of the love of God and And I'll wind this message down. It's 1 John chapter 4, a few verses of Scripture says it like this. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Verse 8 says, whoever does not love does not know God because, read this with me, because God is love. Now the Bible says this is how God demonstrated his love or showed his love. He sent his one and his only son into the world that we might live through him. And church listen to me. This right here is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he loved us so much that he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now all of all of that is wonderful and we Accept God's love and how he loves us with great, you know, patience and how he loves us, you know, personally and and how he loves us, you know, just so powerfully and how he loves us just so wonderfully. And and I I thank God for that. But there is a challenge here. There's a challenge here. And it's verse number 11. The Bible says this. So, since God loved us, watch we also ought to love one another. So we get to experience this love that comes from God and now we are responsible to love people in return. You know, some, some people are better at expressing love than others. But let me give you this, some, I'm gonna give you, here, here's the truth, I'm gonna give you a very simple application but but I want you to see it because this simple application of expressing your love can override all of the hate and all of the hurt that is in this world. So how how do you express love? The first way you express love is you got to say it. You have to say it. Like you have to open up your mouth and say I love you. I love you. I don't know who I'm talking to, but you need to listen to me. Your spouse needs to hear you say it, I love you. Your children need to hear you say, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. Uh, maybe there's somebody watching and, and you would say, well, a real, a real man doesn't have to say I love you. I, I beg to differ. My Bible says that life and death is in the power of the tongue, and my family should never have to guess if I love them. And I, I, I make that commitment. They'll never have to grow up wondering if their dad or Kimberly's husband, if, if he loved them. I, I will say it. I love you. I love you. I love you. Come on, sometimes you ought to text it. You ought to text your spouse. Get, get a little flirty with your text. That's all right. You just let your spouse know that, that you love him or that you love her. You've got to, it's how you express love. You say it. You say the words, I love you. Maybe maybe you're not good with speaking those words, but you're good at writing those words. Come on, write it out. When Kimberly and I, when we first started dating, you know, this was years before, you know, text messaging really got popular and innovative. And so Kimberly would, she would do a much better job, but Kimberly would write me some notes and I'd write her some notes too. And I went through an old shoebox looking at some of these notes this past week, and and I came across this one note that Kimberly wrote me. On the cover, it just says, I love you. Come on, somebody. This note she wrote to me was in the beginning of 2004, so we had been dating for just a couple of months, a few months, and, you know, we had already shared that we loved one another because when I saw her, I loved her, and I told her that, As soon as I told her, Kimberly, I love you, and I want to marry you, and we hadn't been dating very long, she said, my daddy warned me about guys like you. Here's what she wrote. She says, Jake, come on. Now, you can't call me Jake, but she can. She says, Jake, just wanted to remind you that I love you more than life. You're the best thing that has ever happened to me, and I thank God for you every time I think of you. Come on. Here's what she says. It meant so much to me that you spent all of your free time with me. I didn't think that you'd be able to have any free time this week. But thank you so much for trying your hardest to pay me attention. That means the world. Here's what she says. I miss you like crazy today. Come on. I know you're going to be tired after induction, so whatever you need, I'll be there for you. See, I was the president of my Greek club at the time. Kimberly wanted her little frat boy, and she got it. She says, I know you'll be tired after the induction weekend, but whatever you need, I'll be there for you. She says, you, I love this. You deserve to be pampered, and I better be the one to do it. Come on now. It's getting hot in here, baby. Come on. And she says, I love you. It's as simple as that. I love you, baby, always, Kimberly. Come on, the point is, is that if you want to express love, you have to say it, say it. Kimberly and I, when we really started evolving in our relationship, I learned that Kimberly loves her some Elvis Presley. Come on, she loves Elvis. So when I was at Lee. I grabbed a guitar, and I tried to learn an Elvis song because I wanted, I, wanted I wanted her to be overwhelmed by my committedness to show her how much I love her, and so I grabbed a guitar, and I would play the old Elvis song, you know, Wise Men Say, Only Fools Rush In. It goes, wise men say, watch out, only fools rush, they rush in. But I can't help falling in love with you. Now, here's the point. I just sang in front of like 15,000 viewers all over the world, and I'm not even a great singer. But if I can say it to Kimberly that I love her, I want her to know it. I don't ever want those to be just words that are spoken i want it to be heartfelt but i want to say it here's the other thing not only do you say it but you got to sow it you got to sow it at the end of the day you reap what you sow so if in your relationships you sow anger you'll reap anger if you sow bitterness you'll reap bitterness if you sow discord you'll reap discord whatever you sow you will reap but watch if you sow some love, they gonna show you some love. Come on now, you gotta invest into your relationships. That's what sowing means, invest into your relationships. So Let me talk to all the married people. You gotta sow into that marriage. Go to that counseling session. Come on now, don't be afraid to go to counseling. When all of this uh, pandemic is over, you need to take a, a vacation, an adults only vacation No kids. Come on, give me a good amen right there. Like just you and your spouse need to get away and invest into that relationship. Here's an investment. Do a Bible study together. Or go on Amazon and buy the Love Dare book, the Love Dare book. And go through the 40-day Love Dare challenge investing into that marriage. Sew so into the people you love. It's the same way with your, with your kids, with your sons and your daughters. They need you to spend some quality time with them. Listen to me. They want you more than the stuff you buy them. They just want time with you. You gotta sow into the relationships with your parents. I know not everybody has a great relationship with their mom or with their dad, but maybe you should be the first one to sow back into that relationship. Because your Bible says to honor your mother, to honor your father and you will have long life. This isn't on the TV, but write this down. Whatever you sow will grow. Come on now, whatever you sow will grow. So how do you express love? You say it, you sow it, and now you gotta show it. Come on, you gotta show it. So here's a challenge. Before the end of the day, today, I want you to show the people you love some love, a tangible expression of love for them and towards them. I'm challenging you before this day is over, show them some love. So come on, do some chores around the house. Kimberly loves when I vacuum. Y'all better watch out. Now do some chores around the house. That shows that you're willing to pitch in and to help. Cook a meal. Come on, get into the kitchen, cook a meal, do some dishes. If you if you can't cook, use DoorDash or Uber Eats, but show the people in your life that you love them. Put, put down your cell phone, right, and spend some quality time with the people that you love. Compliment the people that you love. Tell tell your spouse they look good and that they're beautiful. Tell, tell your daughter that's hanging on every word from the mouth of her father. Tell her that you're proud. Tell your son, compliment your son, on the way that he's adjusted to this whole pandemic because life for your children have been altered as well. Compliment them, have a a family movie night. Come on, you wanna kiss your spouse and love on your spouse. Walk by and just grab them by the hand or put your arm around your children. Show them a tangible expression of love. Maybe it's a, a small random act of kindness. Maybe you wanna buy them something. Go ahead, buy it. To show them that you love them. As a matter of fact, watch. Mother's Day is next weekend, so y'all better be showing your mom and just how much you love her. Say it, sew it, and show it. Come on, let's say that together. One, two, three. Say it, sew it, and show it. This is how you express love. Let me give you a closing thought. Have you accepted the love of God? Have you accepted his love? If you have not, I don't know what you're waiting on because his love is available to anyone who desires to have it. All you have to do is say, Lord, I wanna be loved by you and I accept your love and I accept your grace and I accept your mercy. It's easy. God God loves you. Even in the middle of your mess, God loves you right now. He just wants you to experience That love, You you think God's mad at you and God's angry at you and God's upset at you. It's none of those things. God loves you and God longs to be in a relationship with you. Come on, have you accepted God's love? If not, don't wait any longer. Today is the day. Right now is the moment that you accept the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Now, if you have accepted the love of God, then here's a follow-up how well are you doing at expressing that love towards others? Because if you have the love of Christ in you, then that should overflow to the relationships in your life, and they should know that you love them with the same type of love that Jesus modeled for us. Let me pray for you today. Lord, I thank you for faith, hope, and love. I thank you that these three things are the things that will remain, the things that we can hold on to, the things that when everything else fails and when everything else expires and when everything else fades away, faith, hope, and love, we can hold on to, we can grip our life to, but the greatest of these is your love. And in this moment, I feel so much emotion, even preaching to an empty church building, but knowing that on the other end of this live stream, going into the hearts and homes of people are individuals that are desperate for your love. And I pray that today, that whoever they are and wherever they are, they would feel the love of God. Lord, we've sung songs about your love. We've preached messages about your love. They've read poems about your love. They've watched movies about your love. But today, just like the apostle Paul, I want them to experience love, experience faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And when they feel that love, may they not run from you, may they run to you, because it is your love that covers a multitude of sin. So we thank you for loving us. We thank you for loving us, Jesus, with a type of love that never fails. Here's what I want you to do if you're ready to accept the love of Jesus Christ. All you gotta do, we're in this digital world today, and you know, I just want you to take out your cell phone and you can text the word commit. This is the greatest decision you could ever make, is to say, I want to accept the love of Jesus. Because I think some of you are watching all around the globe, and you feel a void and an emptiness and a darkness and a loneliness. And the only thing that can feel that The only thing that can fill that up is the love of God. I'm telling you, commit your life to Jesus. If you text this word, commit to 84576, somebody from our team is gonna respond to you and they're gonna help you with your next steps as you begin this new journey with the love of your life, Jesus Christ. Best decision I ever made was to say yes to accepting God's love and it will be the best decision you've ever made too. I love you, go church so proud to be your pastor and I'm proud of you for saying yes to receiving the greatest of all, the love of Jesus. God bless you and go church.